it's been a while. All right. Well, you know what? Let's just start the show over again and say, hey, everybody, you're listening to the Fedora Chronicles radio show's News of the Week with Jason Cousineau. I'm your host, Eric Render King Fisk, stylish psychopath. <laughs> stylish psychopath. Huh? Somebody called me that today. And across the desk and across the country is my good friend, Jason Cousineau. And the the title of this episode is Roswell Revisited. Again, the last episode we did on Roswell was two years ago. And the title of that episode was Making Roswell Great Again. And we were <laughs> we were flagged by Facebook because they thought it was a political thing. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Facebook, man. Whatever. <laughs> Jesus. Them the, the mega hatters. They, 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 they wear the mega hat. And they like to make talk about... We must, make, we must suppress them because they're wearing red. Yeah, right. They're wearing the red hat. They're wearing the red ball cap. The, the, red is evil. The, red, the Fedora Chronicles radio show are red hat mega wearers. So, but that's not even the real story of what it is that we wanted to talk about. (laughs) I did want to open the show talking about Mm -hmm. a little controversy here. And I think that people ought to know the story behind this new Zazzle product. So the Fedora Chronicles radio show is brought to you by our listeners, our Patreon uh, contributors, and through your purchases through Zazzle. Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. And we have a new line of products that's coming out. I'm trying to release one product a day for the next 14 days. That's my goal. That's my goal. And for the next 14 days, we will be featuring cosplaying macho types, fancy products. And on this product, it's the Fedora Chronicles logo. The Fedora Chronicles logo watermark, which signifies quality. And it has the name, the Fedora Chronicles, decopunks, rugged nerds, stylish geeks, cosplaying macho types. And there was a troll on one of these Indiana Jones fan forums, which I am a member of. And somebody had brought up the fact that the name Fedora was... um from a play back in the turn of the century and the main character what her name was fedora and for whatever reason um the hat felt hats were just named fedora for whatever reason i i don't know why i don't know why but and then he was making fun of the fact that it's like all of us cosplaying macho types are getting in touch with our feminine side and i said trust me if i had a feminine side I would be touching it all the time, not leaving the house until I go blind like my mother said I would. Right? Right. And I'm sorry, but really, you're going to reach that far back into history? Because if you want to reach that far back into history about a lot of things, we could be calling each other a lot of different fucking names. Right. It's a goddamn hat. Leave her the fuck alone. Jesus mm. Christ. Take a chill pill. And speak- fucking hell. And speaking of Jesus Christ, you know what I've always wanted to do if I ever made a couple of billion dollars? I, I uh, want to die and then come back as someone else with the same amount of money. That way there you could abandon all of those deadbeats you call family. You're Sorry. talking, dude, you're talking about Sorry. half my family. No, I want to, <laughs> no, no. I want to spend a lot of that money 
to fake my own death so the deadbeats will believe that I'm actually dead, but all the non-deadbeats, the people that really love me, like the people who remember it's like my birthday and 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 hang out with me and um, want to take care of me and my family when my wife is almost killed in a car accident, like those people, those people, I, I want them to um, enjoy the bounty of my generosity. No, um, speaking of Jesus Christ, I would like to redo all of Charlton Heston's Bible movies, but do them as 1920s and 30s gangster movies. <laughs> okay. And have all the apostles wear white fedoras, ex- except for Judas. Judas will have a charcoal gray one. Why you got to put Judas in a gray hat, man? I don't know. Okay. Um, Shouldn't he be in like a black hat or like purple or something? Purple. I mean- we'll make it purple. We'll make it pink. I don't know. I don't know. Something non-offensive. Something that's not going to trigger the twinks and get us canceled. Wow, this really got <laughs> weird quick. But anyway, anyway, be sure to head over to uh, Zazzle.com slash Chronicles and check out the new products. We have a coffee mug and a t-shirt already up for you guys. So, yeah, support the podcast and show off your, your, your rugged style. And your nerdy side. So something came across our desk, Jay, a little while ago. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for the trip to the emergency room, we were actually going to be talking about this. Okay. We would have talked about this a week ago. And wouldn't you know, it's like we, we need like harp music for when we're... I mean, I can provide nose harp. I mean, I don't know how to play a harp, but... This from <laughs> this from CBS News <laughs> recently uncovered 1947 headline from long defunct newspaper offers amazing glimpse at the UFO Roswell incident. The Roswell incident has been one of the most thoroughly researched and debated mysteries in the history of the UFO phenomenon and the most enduring this month. Roswell will mark the 75th anniversary of the alleged 1987 UFO crash with the debate about what occurred far from settled. Can you hear my keyboard clicking in the background? I Sounds do. Like, like the old ticker tape. That's right. Yes. <laughs> that hasn't been for a lack of trying as this annoying pop up gets in my face for decades now. I would almost say seven of them and a half. Journalists, authors, documentary film crews, and others fascinated by the incident have unearthed and publicized countless bits of information and artifacts from that time. Along the way, they brought attention to many pieces of Roswell history, such as the July 1947 front page of the Roswell Daily Record that recorded initial reports of the incident along with a follow-up version of the events presented by the military that some now view as one of the history's greatest cover-ups. The intensity of focus placed on Ros- the Roswell incident for three quarters of a century has led some to poist, I don't even know if that's a real word. Posit. 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 That the most, compre- take a shot. Contemporaneous. Con- contemporaneous records. Contemporaneous. Have, <laughs> have already, take two <laughs> shots, have been already been scrutinized. But one piece of local history recently uncovered provides an interesting companion to those iconic 1947 headlines. The public 
has become familiar with while adding yet more pages to a still-growing historical record. The Roswell Morning Dispatch, a long-defunct sister newspaper of the Roswell Daily Record, was published in mornings from 1928 to 1950. The dispatch covered the news of the day. It carried accounts of July 1947 of the unfolding events related to the alleged recovery of a crashed, quote, flying disc, unquote, outside of Roswell, along with the military's explanation for what occurred. The historical headlines were discovered among archived editions of the newspaper, the Daily Record reported. All right, hold on, hold on, wait, 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 wait. wait. Yep. For something that has had as much of a microscope shoved up its ass as the Roswell incident has had in the past 75 years. We're just finding out about this fucking newspaper now. Yep. Okay. I smell snark. <laughs> of interest oh, I'm sorry. To, uh, to UFO research enthusiasts, the July 9th, 1947 headline in the morning dispatch read, quote, Army debunks Roswell flying disc as world simmers with excitement, unquote, followed by a subhead bearing a familiar assertion that would help fuel future accusations of a cover-up. Officers say disc is a weather balloon. A sidebar describes then-Sheriff George Wilcox fielding calls from media around the world as journalists sought information on what would become known as the Rosweld incident. Dun, dun, dun. I was itching to do that. I just, can I hold it back? Can I hold it back? <laughs> you don't have to. I'm here. I got your back, baby. So, and and Nick Pope explains wh- why is this why is this important? And I'd love to I'd love to just sit down Screw and have. Why is it important? Anyone who doesn't know why it's important really doesn't get it. I want to know why it took 75 years to find it. That's the burning question I have. Well, here's the thing about the entire Rosweld incident, as it were. And there's a terrific book, and we've linked to this before, The Day After Rosweld. Yes. And I want to make sure that I have the author's name right. So, Philip Corso and William Bimes, I believe is how you pronounce his name, wrote this terrific book that explains or chronicles, pardon the pun, of what happened in the town of Rosweld after the incident with the, let's, we have to call it a UFO because it is indeed an unidentified flying object. Yes. Okay. That doesn't mean that we, we it's, it's aliens. We're not saying that it's, it's a beings from an alternate dimension. We're, no, we're not saying that, but we are. But we aren't, but we are. It's, it's right. unidentified. It is an unsolved mystery. Little green men from Mars. <laughs> I'm getting a transmission, Jay. <laughs> I'm sorry, continue. <laughs> <clears throat> yes, game face on. Mm. <laughs> But the thing is, and it was just like, here's a terrific book. I'm trying to figure out how, how many how many pages was this book, and it was just like, should I do it? Because if I click if I click the link, they're going to say, no, really, Eric, do you really want to buy another copy of this book? Right. Right. How many how many pages is this book? Come on now. 
Um, it's 384 yeah. pages. Now, some of them are obviously like, like um, the copyright page and the title page. And it's like, let's just let's just say that it's 375 solid pages of well-documented information about the Roswell incident. And it right. and this this the most recent edition that I got was published five uh yeah five years ago um actually yeah this is the paperback edition the hardcover ed- edition came out yeah June June first of nineteen ninety seven so these people have been re- doing the research on this topic for a couple of years now and there there have been a, a, a couple of um updates to their book if you buy if you buy the um the paperback it's i think i believe it's been updated with some new information i might be wrong and if i am i i, I beg your pardon um okay. just just really quickly just the, just the quick synopsis a break breathtaking expose that reads like a thriller which it does the day after roswell is a stunning depiction of just what happened in roswell new mexico all those years ago and how the effects of this mysterious unidentified aircraft crash are still relevant today. Former member of President Eisenhower's National Security Council and the Foreign Technology Desk in the United States Army, Colonel Philip J. Corso, one of the book authors, was assigned to work at a strange site in Roswell in 1947. He had no idea that his work there would change his life in the course of history forever. Only in his fascinating memoir can you discover how he helped remove alien artifacts from the site and use them to help improve such technology the Army uses today, such as circuit chips, fiber optics, and more. Laying bare the okay. unit... Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Laying bare the government state's shocking role in the Roswell incident, what was found in the cover-up and more. The day after Roswell is an extraordinary memoir that not only focuses forces us to reconsider the past, but also our role in the universe. It's an incredible, it was an incredible book. And it was just like, you have this guy who is a former colonel in the United States Army who says that he was part of the recovery team and says, this, this, is, this is what would actually happened. And the other author, um, William Byron's, if I mispronounce his name, take another shot, um, they also go through like the trauma that the that the residents of Roswell faced when authorities got in their face and say, you don't tell anybody about this or we'll kill your fucking family. I mean, that would be traumatic. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. I'm, I mean, for, for a, an army sergeant with the MPs to say that to a 12 year old girl, that's got to be pretty serious. And I'm right. I'm fi- I'm almost fifty three, and if somebody came into my house again and says, "If you ever fucking talk about what your father told you all of these years, we'll fucking kill you," I'm, I'm sorry, that was just that was me. No, um, <laughs> but the the idea that they the U.S. government made a point to harass, intimidate, and scare and frighten many of the residents of Roswell, New Mexico, into not saying a word forced the editors of the local newspapers to file retractions and force them some literally at gunpoint to recant their stories. And you look at what happened to Jesse Marsalis, who recovered some of the the um, the artifacts 
And it's like he went into one room to he, he left the artifacts in one room, had a press conference, went to the other room, back to the other room where the artifacts were. And he said that these artifacts had been swapped out, that that what what was there in the room he knew it was not the alien artifacts he knew that those were uh, bits and pieces of a weather balloon yeah and the thing is is that which again begs the question what happened to the actual artifacts i'm 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 sure that they're somewhere in a in a in a in a crate somewhere right next to the staff of moses and uh the ark of the covenant (laughs) And all of the uh, all of the evidence of the Egyptian colonies that are in the Grand Canyon. Yeah, and apparently, some of the gold tablets or whatever Joseph Smith says he found is also supposed to be in that warehouse, and the Mormon Church has the rest of them, from what I understand. Right. Okay. And Jesse Marsalis was never reprimanded. He was never penalized. He was never punished. And his career never took a hit. As a matter of fact, he continued to have a career in the Army Air Force. And he, he was in charge of handling nuclear weapons. Now, if this guy was so dumb and couldn't tell the difference between a, a bits and pieces of a weather balloon. Why would they keep him employed? Why would they keep him employed? So that's a very valid question. And we, then again, they could have kept him employed because he did call it out. He did say this is... This is this isn't what I put in here. Maybe they kept him there. Keep keep a closer eye on him. Nah, the government wouldn't do that. What's what's really sort of sad here is that when did Stanton Friedman write the book The Roswell Incident? I'm trying to think here. I'm looking for when did he actually so he is Stanton Friedman. Um, he's written like all of these really terrific books. Let's look. I just want to like read off all the all the books that he's written here. He wrote a book on the Betty and Barney Hill story. He wrote one of the first bit books on top secret majestic. Um, another crash, the crash at Corona. <laughs> he wrote one of the books that sort of like says, well, yeah, let's let's talk about like the science behind flying saucers and how they couldn't possibly if they're real. They couldn't actually like be man made. They couldn't be made now with had. the technology we had at the time. You're right. Yeah. Well, um, even today's technology, we, we could do it. I mean, you could do something. I mean, basically, if you, it's a matter of scale. If you look at anything that we can do with, like, a, uh, I want to say probe, but what is it? The drones. Yeah, the drones. the drones. that they have. Theoretically, we can make anything that we, like, any drone that we can make, we could make in a larger scale, right? In theory. Right. So. By the way, I have to correct myself. The, the gentleman's name is Jesse Marcel. Not, <laughs> not the way I was pronouncing it before. Okay. Because <laughs> I confuse him with chicken marsala. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you admit it. He's a fool, but an honest fool. Um, what, I, what, I, what I want to read here, and this is just from his Wikipedia page. Jesse mm-hmm. Marcel Sr. was a lieutenant colonel in the United States Air Force who helped administer, administer Operation Crossroads, a 1946 atom bomb test at the Bikini Atoll. He was a key figure in the 1947 Roswell incident, which did not surface again until the late 1970s when Marcel, now a retired lieutenant colonel 
In an interview with UFOlogist Stanton Friedman said he believed the debris he retrieved was extraterrestrial. And the thing is, is it so it's like he went from he had a career. He had a a, um, he served in the 5th Bomber Command in the Southwest Pacific during World War II. He was a part of the 509th Air Command in the role in the Operation Crossroads. The 509th was the same group that. Um, dropped one of the bombs on either Hiroshima or Nagasaki. Then he was involved with the Roswell incident. And like I said before, then he went on to be a part of the Strategic Air Command. Marcel remained with the 509th at Walker Air Force Base until August 16, 1948, when he was transferred to the Strategic Strategic Air Command at Andrews Air Force Base. When SAC HQ transferred to Offutt AFB in Nebraska in in November 9th. Offutt, not Moffitt. Offutt, you're right. I beg your pardon. Take another shot. So the thing is, it's like after the Roswell incident, (laughs) he was transferred to the Strategic Air Command at Ed. Andrews Air Force Base. I'm telling you, man. If he was like, we got to keep an eye on this fucker. Telling you. If if he was fucking Looney Tunes, why would why would they keep him in Strategic Air Air Command unless they wanted to keep close eye on this guy? Right. I mean, it's the only thing that makes sense. We got to keep an eye on him, you know? Yeah. At least the only thing that makes sense to me. But admittedly, I haven't had a hell of a lot of cracking yet. So not yet. Not Not yet. But the night is still young here. Um, And now the part of the story that there's. His son, Jesse Marcel Jr., who went on to be a doctor and before he died in 2013, his 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 voice and his likeness was splashed on TV shows, documentaries. I think he was on a couple of episodes with Art Bell talking about the debris that his father snuck home one night and said, this is what they found out in the desert. So this so this headline, all these headlines that they have recently uncovered has churned up a lot of hard feelings with a lot of people from what I understand. I I imagine it would. I mean, I can't imagine it wouldn't. You know, you have the government coming in telling you what you can and cannot say, what you can and cannot talk about. That generally doesn't sit well with people. Just getting back to this CBS News story here. The Daily, the Roswell Daily Record headlines related to the 1947 UFO incident have for some time been federally trademarked. Beck added that the Roswell Morning Dispatch accounts have also now been trademarked, meaning they can't be reproduced without permission. The federal government has trademarked the Roswell Daily Record and the headlines related to the Roswell incident. If it was just a weather balloon, why would they do this, Jay? Uh, I got nothing. You got nothing. I got nothing. There's no reason. Did they trademark the headlines for the Kennedy assassination? Mm, I don't think so. No. Did they trademark the headlines for the September 11th attacks? Uh, I don't think so. No. Did they trademark the headlines for Pearl Harbor? No, 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 no. no. Um, A rather unique move on the part of the government, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
The anniversary of the Roswell incidents comes a month after NASA announced that it is establishing an independent group of investigators to study unidentified aerial phenomenon, which is what the hip cool cats are now calling UFOs. In the latest government effort to investigate the mysterious objects reported by hundreds of pilots. So, and one of the things that you and I had talked about in an earlier podcast is that it was just like the amount of money that they're spending on this is like just a, just, just a couple, like not even, it, it, it's not even $10 million. It's, it's some, yeah. it's some paltry amount. And it was just like, they're just like, no, no, here, just, just pretend to, to investigate this. It's not right. even it's not even enough to hire a couple of holo, uh, highly qualified scientists to look into this. But I mean right. the, the, it's, that it's it's it's, to, it's just a token effort that they're putting in. It's not even really worthy. It it it, it does lead me to to wonder. Uh-oh. You remember what happened last time you were wondering? Uh, I know. I know and she's no. and she still won't let me out of the house without an escort. Well, I mean, can you blame her? <laughs> took weeks to get the stains out but anyway <laughs> well anyway there there is that and i think that every every year we should take a minute and pause and think about the roswell incident and say that we we owe a debt of gratitude to people like jesse marcel and stanton freeman who would not let this story die absolutely so do we want to talk about undead planets, Jay? I, mean, I can't believe you would think that's a question. I mean, why aren't we talking about undead planets right now? <laughs> Jesus. In 1992, the first ever exoplanets were discovered orbiting a pulsar called, and now, if I mispronounce this, take a shot. Take two. PSR B1257 plus 12. If I mispronounce that, take a shot. The planetary system is is known to host at least three planets similar in mass to the rocky planets in our own solar system. Since then, a handful of pulsars have been found to host planets. However, the extremely violent conditions surrounding the births and lives of pulsars make normal planet formation unlikely. And many... So, yeah. so hold on, hold on. A pulsar, I may be jumping ahead. A yep. pulsar is a neutron star, right? And don't they, they call them pulsars because they kind of pulse. They don't, like the, our sun throws off yep. rather consistent amount of energy, whereas pulsars are very much more erratic with how much right. energy they're, they're throwing out. Am, am I correct in remembering that? Yes. Um, okay. But the, the direct quote from um, NASA, nasa.gov, Pulsars are rotating neutron stars observed to have pulses of radiation at very regular intervals that typically range from milliseconds to seconds. Pulsars have very strong magnetic fields, fields which funnel jets of particles out along two magnetic poles. These accelerated particles produce very powerful beams of light. And you could, it's like if you were traveling through the cosmos, if you were traveling through the, the galaxy, Jay, you could actually use at least three pulsars to triangulate your position in the galaxy. That's why pulsars are, are so, because their spin and their, and their radio signatures are unique. All right. And they're very predictable in terms of like the frequency with which they pulsate yeah. and everything. They're, okay. consi they're consistent. Very good. They are very good. Um, very good. Now that we have that understanding, let's talk about PSRB1257 plus 12. 
which, you know, just rolls off the tongue. You might hear some noise in the background while my beautiful wife is making dinner again. Woo! Woo woo! A team of astronomers at the University of Manchester performed the, lar the largest search for planets orbiting pulsars to date. In particular, the team looked for signals that indicate the presence of planetary companions with masses up to 100 times that of Earth and the orbital time periods between 20 days and 17 years. Of the 10 potential detections, the most promising is a system PSRJ2007 plus 3120. Take a shot if I mispronounce that, with the possibility of hosting at least two planets with masses a few times bigger than that that of Earth and orbital periods of 1.9 to 3.6 years. The result of the work indicates no bias for particular planet masses or orbital periods in pulsar systems. However, the results do yield information of the shape of these planets' orbits. In contrast to the near-circular orbits found in our solar systems, these planets would orbit their stars in highly elliptical paths. This indicates the formation process for pulsar planet systems is vastly different than traditional star planets. If you read further along in the article, they sort of speculate that maybe, just maybe, these are um, Planets that were in once circular orbits and were knocked into elliptical orbits, deeply elliptical orbits, because of the star's formation from a regular normal series star to a pulsar. Or Now, I wonder if that means that the, the gravity generated by the pulsar is more erratic than from a standard star. Oh, we know it is. I mean, we, oh, we, we, we would think, oh, yes. I mean, the thing is, right. it, it's, it's like there's a there's a lot of violence that has occurs that occurs. Let me rephrase that. Let me, Your Honor, let me rephrase and retract or retract and rephrase. There's Sustained. A, there is a lot of violence that occurs when a star goes from a normal sequence star to a dying star and then a pulsar or and, and, a, and, a, and a, a quasar is sort of like the same process but when it happens to a galaxy when a dying galaxy has like too many black holes in the center um uh the nucleus of the galaxy and it and it, and it, and it shoots out jets of of of, of protons neutrons and x-rays that's that's where they come from you didn't expect that you were going to be getting a, an astronomy lesson today did you um not when i woke up no no oh you know what i i'm, I'm in the mood for getting an astronomy lesson from eric today <laughs> so the 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 thrust or the meat or the purpose of the story is is that just like american families every solar system is different and have their own unique story um and i really don't mean to be sarcastic when i say that but it was just like every every time we think we have star formation and planet formation nailed down something comes along and just surprises the hell out of us like perfect example there there are what we call hot jupiters 
that are closer to their suns than Mercury is to our own sun. And we don't know why. We don't know, how, like, how did that happen? How, how And it, it violates the way that we look at planet formations. Well, plus also, why doesn't, if it's a, unless it's a substantially sized planet, or even if it is, why don't they get sucked in? I thought Mercury was where it was because it was the, the magic spot where the centripetal force of the orbit of the orbit prevents it from being sucked in by the gravity of the sun yeah that's why it's a mystery jay that's why it it defies wait 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 wait. you mean if we don't understand something it's a mystery that's exactly right jay i think that's a what's the definition of a mystery let's just see well that certainly explains our current president but anyway moving on we're not talking about politics because now that you got me started here (laughs) You're already on MerriamWebster.com, aren't you? Mystery, something that is difficult or impossible to understand or explain, or a novel, play, or movie dealing with a puzzling crime, especially a murder. Hmm. Okay, so no murders are involved as far as I know. So yeah, no, the thing is that it's like it, it just throws us off. It's like yeah. like just when we think that we understand how planets are formed in solar systems, Something comes along. Something something comes along. And the whole thing about planets orbiting around pulsars is like they're really after the destruction of the star, there really shouldn't be anything left. All all those other planets should have been blown away when it when it when it when it sheds off its its outer heliosphere sphere and all of its outer layers. Or if it goes supernova, everything should have just been blown away with the initial shock wave. Well, you would think. Why why are there still planets orbiting around this pulsar after such a such a violent death? Is what I I, I think we're, what we're trying to get to. Right, and again, the reason why we don't know is because it's a mystery. Or it's a mystery because we don't know. Sorry. Yeah. So anyway, the first story that we've covered this week was from a news source that I think even people like Larry Emyet, and I think Larry Emyet even said that he approved of of this story, the the Roswell story coming from Roswell. This this news story is a little. I think it's dubious. I, I think it's. Ooh, I like dubious. Now. Take it with a grain of salt. This is from a website called onlineupdates.net. Oh, that doesn't sound invalid at all. No, I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard to kind of like for whatever reason, it's hard to actually click on any of the. Um, I'm having a hard time clicking on any of the text, so I can copy it and see if I could like see if there's. It's do du- it's dubious to say the least. Okay. Okay, now I don't know who they is, but here's here's the article. Take it with a grain of salt. This is a podcast for infotainment purposes only. Please, please consult with your doctor and ask your doctor if the Fedora Chronicles radio show is right for you. Now, they found a 150,000-year-old ancient three-mile-wide star map in Hawaii. I'm actually going to like see if I can find... I want to see if I can find this. Is this on Google Earth? Let's see if we can find it on Google Maps. Star map in Hawaii. There, there, there are other publications who have republished this story or originally published this should we should we should we read the, the one from the daily star <laughs> or i'm gonna go say no 
Um, no, I as I recall, the uh, someone found it. I seem to recall that when we talked about this earlier, I found a video, a YouTube video, where a guy had actually traveled out there with a with a drone and t- taken pictures of it. Okay, so let me. I'm going to read the 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 one for from a um, a quasi reputable news publication. The Daily Star UK, and then we'll go back to the other one. Okay. Mysterious three-mile-wide, quote, star map dating back 150,000 years found in Hawaii. A huge drawing has been discovered carved into the ground of Hawaiian wasteland, which some believe could be an ancient star map. This is a article written by... Jesus, do I really want our listeners to pass out from alcohol poisoning? Cullum (laughs) Horror or whatever. Brett Cousins, the guy who you're talking about, who runs the YouTube channel Third Phase of the Moon, traveled more than an hour after spotting the strange formation on Google Earth. When he got there, he used his drone to follow the same path he had found on the online mapping site. The video footage reveals the amazing scenes he uncovered. The clip shows a three-mile-wide structure, which appears to be man-made, and Brett thinks it could be a star map used by advanced ancient societies or society. This is one of the oldest areas in Hawaii, and this map could date back 100,000 or 150,000 years. He revealed, to me, it matches up perfectly to ancient star maps we've seen before. I'd like to see which star maps he's talking about. Why would it only be visible from the sky? Well, I mean, why are the petroglyphs in in, uh, Peru or wherever the hell it is, why are they only viewable from the sky? The Nazca lines. Yes, this, this, this is reminiscent of the Nazca lines. Now, and I'm looking at images of of these lines and i know it sounds crazy but it was just like it and i'm judging based only on the images that i that that i see here they look like they're like they're they're been burned into the ground using high heat well they if they were made similar to how that well that wouldn't work either because they're on an island the nazca lines part of the reason why they're still there after however many thousands of years that they were made um Part of the reason they're there is that it's an area that's not prone to heavy storms or heavy winds yeah. or anything like that. You know, I mean, they didn't, it's not like they carved these things, you know, thousands of feet deep into the earth or anything there. Like if you were to go out in your backyard and scuff up your, your lawn, you wouldn't notice it in a month. But that's essentially what the Nazca lines are. They're, right. They're, they're really not very deep at all. Um, I dare say Hawaii, being an island, is much more likely to be victim of at least fairly consistent winds. Yes. And very likely fairly prominent rainstorms as well. It doesn't say where on Hawaii they are, though, which which island they're on. That's a little dubious. Yeah. So Jay and I like to play this game called called accurate or crap i don't know what we call this game i don't know what yeah. we call this it's fact like or crap fact or crap and i gotta ask if is 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 this is this fact or crap well if he gave at least an island that it was on something that we could 
you know, maybe use Google Earth to find out for ourselves, then I would probably be less inclined to call bullshit on this. Right. But I'm looking at, like, I'm looking at ancientarchaeology.com, the article there, and there's two pictures of it. And I have to say, I'm not, I mean, theoretically, this, it looks like it's in a, like a desert. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? And Hawaii isn't really known for its deserts. So color me a tad confused. Yeah, you would think that he would come out and tell you. He would at least say, right? At least say where. Which island? Yeah, on the island of Kauai or wherever. I'm a, I'm actually scrambling here. Um, I'm I'm looking for it, like uh, the, he, I'm looking at his his Instagram account, and I'm just not seeing anything that makes me. He, well, I guess he's got some he's got some like cute pictures of his girlfriend, I guess, but and and like <laughs> pictures of 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 other people's uh, pictures. Um, is that really his girlfriend, or is that, is, is is that um. Who 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 played um the redhead on on um on Doctor Who? What the hell's her name? I'm, I swear I'm gonna be in the shower and uh, shaving. I'm gonna her name is gonna. <laughs> it's gonna Amy, be like two days from now. Amy Pond. Like, the act. She looks like the actress who played Amy Pond on Doctor Who. Um, and there's all and there's there's actually there's actually a couple of people who have like tried to debunk some of the work that he's done. Like there's there's this. I think there's one video. There's this actual, this one video or series of video called um, Hoaxplosion. Third phase of the moon blows up. Analyst debunking and denotation of UFO hoaxes produced by third phase of the moon channel on YouTube. Uh, okay, so there's one guy who just takes it upon himself to just debunk other other people's claims on the internet. This 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 to me is sort of like one of our listeners posted this on our Facebook group. You can just go to facebook.com slash groups slash Fedora Chronicles. And um, this this looks like a really interesting story. And if you look at the pictures, it it looks authentic from these from these pictures. But. Here's the problem. I can't get any confirmation on, on any right. of this. And, and all the stories I found contain the same two pictures and they uh, and the same story, basically. Yeah. It's the same YouTube video and all of that. So I, I, I want to just file this under, I wish I could believe this, but I can't. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. This is, unfortunately, it's not... There's no way to independently confirm this. He's not given us enough information to do that. He can't even tell us where he found this. So that's that's why I got to say, no, or I won't. To, no, or I got, won't tell us. Yeah, I, I got to take a pass on this. I got to take a right. pass on this. This is like one of those reasons why you got it. Like you have to be really sort of careful which which news sites you quote. Um, and that's that's why I was trying to put a caveat mTOR on all yeah. on all of the stories It's like I'll tell you. Hey, this is this is this is from the World Weekly News. Buyer beware, or or reader beware, or this was taken from CNN. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> we're not saying this is not true. We're just saying that our bullshit meter is going off. That's all we're saying. That's, that's all. all we're saying. That's all we're saying. I'm going to close out the show today, Jay. All right. Because. Carol is going to be serving dinner soon here. I'm actually going to be. 
if I can just get to my Gmail. Come on, Gmail. Come on, Gmail. This is from one of our readers, Lynn. And I like to close close out um, close out episodes of the podcast with messages from our readers. For the first time today, I came across your podcast and listened to an episode about exorcism, but it turned into a conversation about hauntings. <laughs> I loved it. Now I'm hooked on your podcast. I'm from Rhode Island, and I have quite a story for you. I'm sure you don't make or take calls to hear these types of stories. Not true, but this one may intrigue you or not. It also aired on Ghost Hunters way back in the day. It's so long to type. I'm hoping that maybe we could talk via the phone. Big, huge smile face. If you are interested in listening to the story, knowing that you are slash were a paranormal investigator, I'd love to get your thoughts. If you are all interested in talking to me over the phone, my number is, and she gave our number. Thanks in advance, Lynn. Lynn, um, I'm, I, I know you're listening right now, and I'm going to promise you I am going to send you a text, or I am going to send you a call, because we love these kind of ghost stories. Absolutely. Absolutely. So are there any other news items that you wanted to talk about, Jay, before, before we call in an episode? Uh, no. I think we covered everything. We covered the Hawaiian star map. We covered the Roswell thing. And we covered the undead planet, which really, you know, being an old-fashioned tabletop role-playing gamer, I like the idea of an undead planet. It's like some giant-ass fucking zombie floating around out in space. That just really intrigues me. It's looking for brains. Uh, I Like I said... I, it's a, maybe it's a good thing that I don't have a billion dollars because if if my proposal <laughs> to make a remake stories of the Bible as 1920s and 30s gangster films doesn't pan out, I would I would definitely pay. Yeah. To go. It, I know it's impossible. I, I know that we don't have the technology, but if I could. I would be definitely visiting some of these dead planets and 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 leaving star maps everywhere to freak people out. <laughs> right? Put a star map on it that leads to the seventh star in the bicep of Hercules constellation or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. And then and then leave a, a binary message carved into that actually particular planet and say, "Ha ha, fooled you. Made you look." Right? Just have it like be binary coded, so it's basically like a winky emoji. That too, that too. <laughs> or an ad for Crack and Rum. By the way, have you go. have you contacted them yet and asked them if they'd like to be a sponsor? They have not responded. I sent them an email and they have not responded. So I bet they, I think we're going to send another one. I think that they're passing that email around, saying, "Oh my God, look at these guys." <laughs> Actually. I, I bet they probably gave a listen to our podcast. Are like, yeah, we're not even going to respond. Yeah, no, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> we're getting plenty of. We'll take the free advertising from all twelve people that listen to them and count it good. <laughs> Thirteen, if we count Lynn. <laughs> Thirteen with Lynn. That's right. That's right. Thank Recently you. New one. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you for listening we now to have us. Now a baker's dozen. <laughs> exactly. Loyal, loyal listeners. <laughs> we actually. That's actually that's not true. We literally have. Dozens of listeners all over the world. Baker's e- dozens. Even even, even even during our hiatus, we still had great numbers, which is sort of surprising. That's awesome. We need to not do a hiatus again. We I know. We have shit going on, but now we're back, baby. We're back and better than ever. All right, Jay. All right. 
Say hi to Carol and the kids for me, man. I sure will. And you, you give your special lady a big, huge hug for me, and we're going to talk later. Sounds good, man. Talk to you soon. Bye, pal. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Thor Chronicles radio show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, fedorachronicle at google.com are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions. And if it's any good, we promise we will read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash store slash Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by Olive Music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020. All rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Renderkank Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on.